Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast show with me, Michael Tinkster. We are on a mission to share what Maverick leaders know and do to build businesses that deliver strong results and positive impact on people, society, and the planet. Thank you to our brand partner, BizSimply, for sponsoring this episode. BizSimply is the all-in-one workforce management software that enables your business to become more efficient and profitable. The software designed and built by hospitality experts to enhance the way shift-oriented operators manage their business, optimize their entire people journey, and making every shift run like clockwork. And we join forces to help the industry to find new ways to become even more innovative in how we lead our people, how we operate, how we grow, and how we serve our customers. Together, we wanted to share strategies and tools to make the industry thrive long-term. We should have a mentor. But remember that mentor is a mentor. He may not be your mentor for all your life. He may be a mentor at that point of time. And respect that. And mentor is very, very important. Because what you're getting from mentor is not an expertise, an experience. And that's how the word experiential learning coming. It is an experience over expertise. Is what you learn when you get a mentor. And when you're able to relate to him. This is Depa Gori, author of A Bridge Not Too Far, Chief Happiness Officer and CEO at Libora Hotels and Resorts. And it was a great honor and pleasure to have Deepak back as a guest on the show. The vision for this conversation was to dive into his new book, A Bridge Not Too Far, and how he as a leader and human have implemented the book's principles to help develop himself and the business. We also dive into why he wrote the book. We talk about the power of mentorship and how you find a great mentor. We talk about the great recognition and quiet quitting and how we as hospitality businesses overcome this. Why pain is an essential part of the journey if you want to achieve great results. And the impact it has on you as a leader, but also as business. And we also of course, enter how do you actually deal with pain? This is a conversation that made me reflect and understand better what my gaps are and what I need to work on as a human and leader to get better. And I'm sure you will take something super valuable from this conversation. And if you like today's conversation, it will mean a world to me if you can leave a review of the show on our website, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. The better the reviews, the better the guest, and ultimately, the better the learning is for you. Now, grab notebook and coffee. This is a great conversation to help you lead yourself better. I'm super excited today because I have a guest back on the show. We talked in the middle of the pandemic, 2020, when we probably not all of us knew or nobody actually knew where is this actually going to go and how long it's going to go on. And at that point, we talked a bit about, you know, how we put people first. But today we're going to be talking about his new book, uh, A Brit Not Too Far. And uh, I want to hear a bit about, you know, why did Deepak decide to write a book, but also how he put these principles into to use in his everyday life, but also where he is and, and where the business is now. 
after after we came out on the other side of the pandemic a post-pandemic world so welcome to the show Deepak it's a great pleasure to have you back thank you good morning Michael and I'm really humbled and honored to be back on the show uh yeah you did the work you wrote the book as well and do whatever you all the things you do every day can you tell uh, the audience that haven't they will probably go back and listen to our first conversation, but I haven't tuned into our first conversation a bit about, you know, your journey and how you came to run a hotel and, uh, and how you actually wrote a book. I started from a humble beginning and uh, I always liked those material things. So when I teach now, and I always tell my students that always go after the material things. You should fulfill your wishes, but at the same time, never compromise. Those things should not be at the cost of your principles. So, so my first luxury drink was a Coca-Cola when I was a six-year-old. Uh, my second good thing was a toy milk van, which my father, which everybody will read it from my book, uh, didn't buy his... Uh, uh, I think it was like uh, 50 cents in US dollars, that shirt, and he bought me that uh, toy milk van. That was my second luxury take. And then I realized that, uh, and that thing until today, it is in my head, that how my father let his shirt go and bought me that milk van. So, so that was my first lesson. And that prompted me and took me back to understand the second lesson. My first lesson was that in your life, before taking something, you learn to give. I was always taking, but I never realized that one has to give. And my second lesson that I learned was when I get the Coca-Cola, I had to cross the road and we were told not to cross the road because the other side of the road were people from a uh, little better than what we were doing or even much better than what we were doing. Uh, so I don't want to make that entry in any show that I come from a humble background because in the end, uh, what matters is who wins the race wherever you're coming from. Uh, but it is very important to know how to win the race. So, so I learned how to cross the road. Very easy things, what I have written in my book, it's very easy what I do in my life. And it's very easy for me where I am. But all these things, there's one thing which is the most difficult thing, is the endurance of pain. I just followed the basic principles, these principles, most of these are given to me by my father. Some I learned from my friends, some I learned from my mentors, which became part of my life. But one thing I learned that when you follow principles, there's a lot of pain. In today's organization, there are rules and there are principles. There's a pain in following the rules, but there's not so much of pain. And uh, that's what actually in life, if you see the athletes when they run, the reason they are able to run faster is not their body is better because they train their body. They learn to accept the pain and take more pain and that makes them better. And that is the same principle which goes for every successful person taking more pain. What I've realized over a period of time that if anyone is successful, learn to respect the person. And those who are not successful, give them even more respect. Because they can be the next successful person, but what they are looking for is a little bit of recognition and a little bit of respect. All these principles were existing in our world. I'm using the past tense verb. And COVID saw 80% of those were thrown in a trash bag. 
And uh, when I spoke to you in 2020, I was contemplating whether to write a book or not. My father passed away in October uh, 2019. And uh, uh, his last two or three months, he wanted me to write a book. And he wanted me that to write a book, not because I become famous, but because he has seen what pain I go through. Uh, because when you follow principles, most of the people, they laugh at you. They make fun of you. And when you have reached at that level, two things happen. If you are again moving forward or you want to stay where you have reached, you don't care. And there's a word called fear of people's opinion about these people. And then these people also leave you and they start laughing at other people. And that is how the world goes. And uh, what is my purpose of life today? I'm teaching. But uh, the idea is not to teach the students. The purpose of life is to make a better world, a better world for young leaders, a world where everyone is happy, a world where we are proud, a world where I'm not saying that everybody should be rich, but I want everybody to be rich in education. We have 8 billion people and the purpose of my life, which I have started, I don't know whether I'll see this in my lifetime or not. And I'll be the happiest person if I see that in the lifetime that I see an educated world. Because the educated world is going to change a lot of things. And what it is going to change is uh, going to have better governments because democracy and people, when they start taking educated decisions, I'm not saying all educated people make the right decision. Don't get me wrong. But it is always better to have a education. There's a word, a Latin word called experium, which is experiment and experiential. So experiment and experience combine a great leadership, a, a, a great world, a great organization. And second thing is a reputation is a mother of perfection. Once we repeat these things, we, we get more people uh, introduced to experiential learning, thinking like that, the world will become a better world. I, I don't, Ms. you must be wondering why I'm not touching upon my career, where I am. Everybody knows I'm the chief executive officer of Labo Hotels and Resorts. And I'm the chief happiness officer, but many people, what they don't know is the beginning of Labour Hotel was with one restaurant. And when we get into the hotel, everybody started laughing at us. When we wanted to build our first restaurant, no interior designer wanted to design the restaurant. We did everything. We, we did great landmarks at Labour. We, we had the uh, 25,000 US dollar plus plus per person meal. We had this movie Hangover Part 2 shot. We are the only hotel in Thailand with two restaurants, with two star. But all this helped us to generate only 10% of, of 15 or 20% increase in the revenue. But what actually transformed us and our organization today, post-COVID, is the introduction of happiness in the organization. Introduction of certain principles which I mentioned in my book. And we saw that in the increase in customer satisfaction, employee satisfaction, higher revenues and higher profitability. Many of the listeners may say that, but this is what and where the world is going. And exactly right, this is what and where the world is going, but not going where we are going, where we are 20 percentage point and 12 percentage point in profitability higher than our peers and competitors. And, uh, and, and this is happening because Something, we don't have to import any resources. We don't have to spend any money because happiness is within everyone. And we are just trying to bring it out. 
We cannot, I cannot teach happiness. And nobody in the world can teach anyone how to be happy. They can, they can give you another direction how to be happy. So by introducing that, and we became a case study at the Ivy School in Canada, that is the Labua uh, COVID dilemma and post-pandemic recovery. And uh, that same case study has been published in Harvard Business Publishing also. So, so by introduction of happiness, how we can transform the organization, how we were doing well. And I see a huge uh, thing, and it's not a philosophical thing. And, and, and for people who think that, oh, this, this person is getting philosophical because not many people are talking about happiness. When the Thomas Edison invented the light, it was very philosophical. Uh, when the apple fell, uh, when the third law came, it was the law of gravity came, it was philosophical. But, but science always begins with the philosophy because that is where people start getting deeper and start looking at things. So this is a small introduction about me, Michael. And I think I've set the tone, which you should, Ms. Vish, thankfully you allowed me to set it up for the show now. So over to you, Michael. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah. And go, go back and listen to the, the first episode because there's more snippets about the journey Deepak took to, to where he is today. And it's a fascinating story, I can tell you. But I wanted to, to, to grab what you said about pain and just let's just, just let's explore that a bit because pain in my world is also, I use the word discipline. Is that the same? You see, like, you know, you accept the pain is there because it's part of that discipline you need to have every day to become 1% better. I'm very focusing on that myself in my life and the business I'm involved in that. How do we actually accept that? We have to accept the obstacles we're in front of, the pain, as you call it. But actually, it's about that improving 1% all the time. Uh, discipline is a part of that pain. But most of it, uh, the pain in today's world comes from how do you convert FOPO into ROPO? FOPO is fear of people's opinion. And how do you make that into respect of people's opinion? And that's where uh, you require a discipline. That's where you require your principles. That's where you require certain rules. And that's where a lot of pain comes. Pain always comes something which is very closer to you. So when you are with your friends, your families, your colleagues, people, and that's where a lot of pain is inflicted because uh, rightfully uh, not everyone is same. And it's not that they are inflicting pain on you because it is a level of your understanding also how you're taking what they are trying to say. So how do you convert that fear into respect? And that's a very important aspect. And when I wrote that in the book and uh, uh, everybody said, oh, this is very easy. So there was a session I was doing uh, and I asked a very senior executive that, please, what is your fear of people's opinion? They mentioned, I said, can you convert that into respect of people's opinion? And that's where they drew a blank. It was like watching a soccer game. And you see that, oh, that uh, the right-hand guy is not able to kick. I could have done a better job. Yes, while watching it, you can do a better job. But when doing it, it's a very difficult thing. And, and that's why I ask people to convert FOPO into ROPO, that is fear into respect. So discipline is part, but that is what gives you a lot of endurance of pain. And uh, introducing principles in the organization. So today, the organization is a rules-based. And when you introduce certain principles in an organization which is based on rule, your principles give you a lot of pain because people do not, people are looking at you how they look at the whole world. 
people never look at us as individual. So if you just know, I mentioned that happiness is very individual and everybody has a very different way of looking at happiness. Everybody has a very different way of enduring a pain. That's why someone is a better athlete than the other person, because not because he is better trained, because his endurance of taking that pain is higher. So, 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 so this is how life is. And, and it's interesting, again, if you, you, you then connect that, you know, back to the, the principles, because what is, in your view, some of the issues you had to mention, you know, two principles that's important for your organization that you just know, if we follow these principles, we will move forward in the right direction every day. So I'll give you uh, two or three examples. Uh, I'll give you two examples pre-COVID and I'll give you two examples during COVID. We always mention, uh, but uh, one of this is the same. We always say that we trust our people pre-COVID. And for that reason, we never got mystery auditors coming to our hotels and restaurants and check on our employees because that is a breach of trust. So what we do is we do customer satisfaction through bigger companies where every stakeholder is involved. That is the employees, the customer, uh, the uh, owners, they, everybody get involved so that there's a level of trust. The second thing that uh, post COVID, uh, during COVID, we are in the hospitality business and every organization has a very different way of putting it. But in the end, the meaning is our employees are biggest asset. Sadly, we were the only hotel company in whole of Thailand, which never fired any employee. Everybody else did it. That's the sad part. The other sad part is many bigger organizations did it for no fault of their people, but nobody created an issue out of it. You know why? Because those were the poor people. Nobody would listen to those people. They don't have that voice. And we are talking in today's world about equality and something inequality or inequality of that level is never heard of. And uh, the Western world is a little bit different than the developing economies that in a Western world, the government comes, there's an uh, aid, which is better. There's no aid that is a better aid. That's why it is called aid. So it is always at a minimum level, but, but the level of that aid is better than in the developing economies. But the other thing, culturally in developing economies, there's one bread earner and there are five or six people dependent on him. This is how the developing world works. And just imagine that if that one person lost the job, we are not affecting one person. We are affecting five people who are dependent on that one person's salary. I don't know who told us to be that cruel in that part of the time. And then, and, and then the world has changed. So, so, so we never let that principle, we said, if we go down, we all go down. And if that stance would have been taken by every hospitality player, the governments would have worked hard to get the hospitality business back. But we acted because that was the most easiest thing. That was the rule. Oh, no profit, no revenue, get the people up, cut the expenses. But if we would have introduced the principle there, we would have thought about people, their level of pain and those emotions. And, and okay, when we have, everybody does mistake, we did the mistake. But then the best part is that there's no unconditional apology to these people. From all the CEOs everywhere, worldwide, getting together and saying, sorry, we did it wrong. We'll work harder on that. 
and we'll make sure that if something like that happens again, this would be something which we will not do. That's interesting because, um, you know, one of the most powerful thing, even when you are wrong and you put the wrong principles in play and you go back and say as the leader that you're sorry, you will actually have, you can actually win back, you know, the, because you talked about trust before and that's what it's all about. And then you have a bank of trust, I always believe, and either you, you're withdrawing that trust or you're putting in on that bank account of trust. That's your, that, that's your job as the leader. So when you think about, you know, you talk about these principles in life, you know, and around, you know, the pain is the main thing. It's about taking more pain. Why did, you know, your dad ask you to write the book? Why did you then decide in then, I'm going to write this book now. It's time to write the book and share. There's lots of these principles you talked about already now, and these stories are in the book. And it was really fascinating reading them uh, as I went through the book. So I started writing my book uh, in December 2020. And uh, in June, uh, I think, I don't know which month uh, did we do the podcast. You remember, Michael? I, I don't. Uh... I, th- I, th- I think it was uh, over the summer um, in June, July, something like that. Yeah. I knew that COVID is going to stay for a longer period of time. And uh, by that time, everybody had started getting the people out. And I got very hurt because of that. And I said that I should write the book. It's time that. I uh, means I remembered what my father told me and I said, it's time that the world should know whoever has read the book, world should know or whoever will read the book about principles, a hybrid model of principle and management and uh, realize that where do we actually come from? And it's a basic thing. And you must have read that in my book is know your roots. And most of us, we forget our roots when we start doing well in our life. And uh, the idea was to bring people back to their roots, to understand where they are, because uh, today we need people more than anything else, because the world has become so global, too many things are happening. You don't know what will happen tomorrow. We need to be together and we need to fight it together. We should not fight among ourselves and let somebody else be a winner. In COVID, we forgot one basic principle that every marketing book teaches. Like, you know, uh, Dr. Kotler uh, recommended one of the five books for 2023. And uh, he's the father of modern marketing. And uh, one of those books was mine. And if you read Dr. Kotler's book, there's one uh, thing he says that when you do quantitative and qualitative analysis, you should correlate both. Don't take it in isolation. And when COVID happened, we just started listening to only quantitative part. Nobody looked at the qualitative part. And uh, so all uh, it was like uh, the whole world was unprepared. Yes, we were unprepared. But everything we have been trained for, everything we have been taught for, we forgot all those basic things. And what was some of the, you know, it was the, the top, top two things we forgot, especially as leaders? We got people out. We're still getting people out. Anytime the technology, and I'll touch on technology also a little later, but uh, please do remind me in case I forget about technology, uh, Michael. Uh, anytime any crisis happen, we get people out. Second thing, for, forgot the principles. We made COVID so bad. And of course, COVID was very bad because many people lost their job. Many people lost their lives. Many people got very sick. Uh, means uh, the world has seen the worst 
uh, and we all saw that with our own eyes or if we didn't see with our own eyes we saw that in the news and we but we forgot one basic principles that we grew up reading everything that quantitative and qualitative should be together we hyped covid to that level and then said okay it's not going so bad but 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 that fear was there remained that and if you see that book and if at that point of time that fear it should have been converted into respect but we started fighting the government started fighting government fighting started fighting with within among them themselves also that how the medical team will do what it will do so that crisis became a more crisis and uh, these are the basic principles the basic principle is that discipline you talked about when there's a war and you're fighting your enemy the what does why do armed forces do well because there's a proper discipline we should approach there's a strategy the armed forces of any country doesn't fight among themselves when there's an enemy in the front but we were fighting among us so all those principles were just gone and uh, and uh, means uh, it was very disturbing for me to see that and that was my second step while writing the book i said i need to get into the education those mistakes we have done i have to start going to the students and i teach graduate level mba students and everybody wonders that how come this hospitality guys teaching mba okay <laughs> graduate students but i teach them why because they are going to be the leaders immediately after they graduate the idea is not that for my own thing that i am teaching mba because they why i picked the graduate classes because they'll be graduating in two years or in one year and then they will go they will tell that message to the world and in a very scientific and structured way i used experiential learning and uh, teaching them we'll be back in a moment after a word from our brand partner be simply and one of their customers goldex investment group they operate costa coffee and caspar's franchises as well as workspaces now it's over to bot hemarshandra their head of operations the biggest win with be simply was freeing up the store manager uh, from the workload they have for the week. Scheduling and payroll plays a, a big part in the business. Obviously, it, it was taking over four hours a week for them before using Excel templates. They have to create the schedule beginning of the week and they'd have to finalize at the end of the week uh, for payroll purposes, which was taking around four hours, like I said. Now, I think with simply we managed to reduce it down to 30 minutes or less. All they have to do is just finalize the, the payroll at the end of the week by pressing a button. It's that simple. So it saves us around three and a half hours a week per store. And that's the biggest win we've had uh, with Be Simply. And then coming back to so your, your deciding now, that term needs to be given on to the next generation. But what did you learn about yourself writing that book? Because I know that writing sometimes give you a clarity that you didn't have before. Even if there's something you practice every day and done your whole life, suddenly you have a certain level of clarity. But what was the, like some significant learnings going on that journey with the book for you? I never realized, and you're so right, Michael, and not many people will admit that. I learned more than people would learn by reading my book. I learned about myself. I learned about all the mistakes I did. I learned that if I have to rewind my life, how would I live my life? I'm not going to give that smart answer that there won't be any change in my life. There'll be a lot of changes in my life while growing up. 
definitely yes and uh, i i realized and uh, i felt while while coming up that i should have got that mentor early in my life who could guide me and who could hold my hand very early in life i i, I went through a lot of these things and uh, what i learned later in life very late in life and actually you want me to be very honest michael and don't try to edit this please i actually learned while writing my book that the world is fair i'm just trying to use that i come from humble beginning to my advantage but the world is very fair they look at you but you have to struggle a little bit fight a little bit to put your point across and sometimes when people are not listening to you you need to revisit and redo and structure it in a better manner that people understand this is one very important thing i learned while writing the book so sometimes if something doesn't work it's not because people don't want to hear your message but exactly you're not delivering or you're not meeting them where they are as i often call it yeah super super interesting and you, you touched right just before about something else about mentorship and that was like something that really grabbed me as well and something you know i found out i think you know at some point as well a bit too late i thought i could actually avoid some some car crashes on the way i've had, had seeked out a mentor at different parts of my life and now i have one uh, but talk a bit about that the power of having a, a mentor and, and the core benefits of that and, and why we all should go and seek this especially when we're in leadership positions okay so so this is what i have to tell I, i'll tell three things to everyone we should have a mentor but remember that mentor is a mentor he may not be your mentor for all your life he may be your mentor at that point of time and respect that that is a point number one and mentor is very very important because what you're getting from mentor is not an expertise an experience you're gaining those years and that's how the word experiential learning coming it is an experience over expertise is what you learn when you get a mentor and when you're able to relate to him and not everyone can be a mentor it doesn't mean that person is not a good or not a professional it's just that you're not able to relate to him sometimes you say oh oh this guy is not good no no don't never say that this guy is not good it is we are not able to relate to him he may be that gentleman may be a mentor or that lady may be a mentor to someone else but the reason they are not been able to give a mentorship because we have not been able to relate maybe uh, we have not been able to create our four point to ropo or that person or that lady has not been able to uh, have their four point to ropo so so those elements are there that is the second thing i learned third thing is that fear of failure goes when you have a mentor you get that confidence that you're doing you know when you're learning driving and there's a guy who's teaching you driving you're not afraid to drive but suddenly after that the car is given to you to drive uh, for an initial moment you're afraid because that person is not there and exactly the same thing does, does mentor mean that you know like you choose or you find someone or could you because i i i work this is my own i have some what i call you know mental mentors on my mental boardroom i will ask myself 
for example, what would Marcus Aurelius have done in this situation? Uh, because I've been reading a lot of his stuff. I have an idea about how he made a decision. Is that still people that you can say you would use as mentor? Or does that need to be an individual person? I totally agree. They will move on. That's my experience as well. You might have, I already had a, a, more than a handful through my life and they all fit in faces of your, of your life. You see, Michael, uh, and I'm not trying to flatter you, just because you asked me, so I'm going to answer that. I don't know, when you start listening to your mental space, you have reached a mature a level of maturity that you don't need a mentor. You need to mentor people now. Mm. Because you're listening to your subconscious or your conscious mind. It works 95% is a subconscious, 5% is a conscious mind. And when we start listening to that mind, that is where we start changing the world we start innovating that is where the creativity you know sometimes two rivers they meet at one point or two oceans meet at a certain point when creativity and that's where the topic of my book is that where creativity meets innovation when the creativity meets innovation that is where you are in control of yourself that is that stage and you have already at that stage so 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 instead of you looking for a mentor you should encourage people to find a mentor in you mm, that's super, super interesting and also that gave people probably out there a bit of an idea about when they need to go and find one and when they're ready to become one and that's really interesting i haven't thought about it in that context before i'm actually mentoring somebody right now so i'm so i'm glad that you you think i'm, I'm ready for that when your inner voice or your subconscious mind tells you two things to do means you you should have when you are in control of your mind the subconscious mind tells you to take only one decision when your subconscious mind is telling you to go it two ways is where you at a t-junction we don't know whether to turn left or turn right and that is where you need your gps and that is where you need your mentor uh, that's a very 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 good one as well yeah 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 i agree with that i had a couple of those the last couple of years in in the post-pandemic world where i actually had Chris, who is my mentor right now, he was a, a godsend, you know, he just asked me the right questions or just listened to me and I got to the answers myself in principle. So that's that's really for me is what good mentorship is as well. It's, it doesn't always have to be the answer or the expertise, as you said, it's just that they can take you through the experience you're having right now. Where do you find your mentors then? It sounds like you have been on a journey and, and found mentors as well. Where do you find your mentors uh, in today's place where you are now? Because you, it seems like, in my belief, you can always use a mentor, no matter where, where what level you're on. You always need somebody. I found a lot of mentors and even I find uh, my mentors right now. And they come along the way. You never know. Because the best part is when you reach a certain level, you never go looking for those things. And it's like you're driving and suddenly you see a great waterfall and you stop the car. And that's what I do in my journey. When I see a great person, I stop and say, and I take the mentorship. So, so, so you find these along the way and you will find a lot of them. And, and that goes, that goes for me even. And for anyone at the age of 80, 70, you will always find people and not look for older people sometimes you may not believe you you find a lot younger people telling you things which you would have never thought and i give you this example 
we had an ambassador of one country and there were some young students came and this uh, young lady i think she must be 18 year old very interesting very intelligent and she impressed me a lot i mean i'm so impressed and that's why i'm i'm on your show i'm uh, giving this example so so she asked the ambassador of this country that what do you think is wrong with us and he says you guys are very entitled the younger generation you do your things your way but in our times we always had a lot of respect for our parents and everything and we would follow she said i agree and we will try to improve but you know what what your generation had we never got and uh, i got curious i was there so i said what before ambassador could say uh, she said privacy and just look at this deep thing we believe this young generation has got everything we never got iphones we never got laptop she said when we are going to get ready say we in the sixth standard or fifth standard we are given the phone the phone has a tracking every time our parents are aware where we are you may have given us a room we can close the room but on our computer there are certain software you can check what we are seeing so so where is our privacy and in our time there were no phones nobody could track what we were doing and uh, to me it was a, uh, not about these things to track where you are i think it was a very powerful answer and i never looked at the younger generation that way that they lack privacy and now relate that to our business which is a hospitality business privacy is a new luxury people are paying a lot of money for what privacy people are trying to be alone with themselves and they cannot and they're ready to spend that kind of money and that is where you will see a new hospitality model will evolve not only in privacy but it is coming now and that's why i said you remind me on technology and now i'll touch upon that hospitality is going to go back to basics by 2030 the whole asset management model how we look is going to change sooner or later the technology has to be reined in now i give you an example means uh, you are based in london every city has a city planner there's a urban development planning how the city would look like and this is how we give building permits how long all those kind and new design that has to come but for a it architecture one company starts something and we all go beyond that we have 3.5 pe billion people unemployed why do we have to have robots now Artificial intelligence is a good thing till the time we are able to analyze, but that should never be able to replace a natural intelligence. A robots are good, but they should not be a way to replace the manpower. So, so which world are we going? Are we looking at a world to educate the 8 billion people and give employment to 8 billion people? So the whole world has a better world? Or we are looking at creating a competition among the people who are employed and take 10% out of the employment and replace them with robo who has to ask these questions so that's why education is very important so more people ask these things to their respective governments and ask for regulations ask for things to be improved so so i am a big fan of information technology till the time it is used to enhance the business and increases productivity but not at the cost of people not at the cost of the privacy and it's super interesting when you think about it, the privacy uh, bit that, you know, and I also think I actually was part of a generation where I had privacy. I didn't have a phone before I was probably in my early 20s, mobile phone at that point. 
Uh, and it's super interesting, actually, that that generation doesn't have that privacy. And actually, you're absolutely right. What I seek most when I'm not working is silence. You know, that's freedom in my view. Like, get me some headspace so I don't have to consume things or be part of things or a next meeting or something like that. And that's actually luxury. I think that the whole freedom and the freedom and silence Silence is equal freedom in a way. That's what I tried to say. Um, coming back to again, we say also hospitality is going to change. I think it's already changing. You see the great resignation and the quitted quiet quitting, uh, quiet quitting around the world, and it's so hard. You know, most hospitality businesses are missing maybe ten to twenty percent of the staff they need to run uh, efficient operation, and it's really difficult to get people back into the industry after the pandemic and you talked a bit about what majority of companies did and it's probably connected with that how do you see that hospitality is gonna overcome this uh, as we go forward because that's really critical to be able to run a healthy business you have enough people what i'm going to say and everybody in the hospitality is going to pounce on me but when they pounce on me they should also think that i'm also part of the hospitality when i'm talking about the hospitality i'm also ceo of a hotel company so i'm including myself in that I think we in the hospitality lack creativity and innovation. Most of the things what we are doing in hospitality has been taken from the airlines. And why the hospitality is going to change for two reasons, the great resignation and a quite quitting. Okay, we, we have bodies in the offices, but they are not thinking or they are not taking that extra step or extra length. And that is where new models will emerge. And what will happen is we'll get a better intellectual capital into our business. Uh, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying that we don't have better intellectual, meaning we will get people out of the hospitality uh, expertise. We'll get experienced people in different industries from say like uh, fashion industry or other industries at a senior level to come in and a new way of running that business will emerge. I was in New York recently uh, and uh, I went to this place called RH Guest House. It's only a nine room thing, but a very beautiful concept uh, made out of privacy and everything. So these are these new concepts, innovations are happening. And the guy was a furniture store guy. So he had no experience in hospitality. So, so, so all these things are happening because of the space we have created, the gap, the void after COVID. And that is why these independent players are coming in. And these independent players are coming with a better and more innovative product. That will force bigger players to rethink and where they need to go and get the talent. And uh, saying that, the salaries and the wages and the money we are giving to the hospitality people needs to be relooked at. And that's why I said the asset management model will change. Because uh, in any business, one has to reach the right multiple, right? Or the top line, then you've got certain fixed costs, variable fixed cost, and variable costs. So, so once you increase any of the percentages, the reflection happens on the bottom line. But then uh, there has to be some tangible trade off that needs to be done in how these percentages have to be worked. Definitely uh if we are working on wages at x percent it has to be increased by 10 percent minimum minimum 
to get that kind of people because many of us from the hospitality uh, because of our expertise we have gained a lot of experience and there are many industries who are hiring people from hospitality so to stop and for the sake of hospitality for the sake of travel for the sake of the world to become a better world because we become better when we understand different cultures how people eat how people stay interact with them that's how the respect comes out uh, this asset management and hospitality will change and who will change that the change would not be the customer it will be the employees and customers will support that what what do you think that we as leaders because it seems like it's it's, it's salary is one thing but how do we actually build a, a better industry and how do we actually start that transformation because i guess there's a lot of people looking at the industry and thinking i don't want to join that especially young people what i've heard like i don't want to join that industry it's not really satisfying it's not giving me the one so what what, what do we need to change fundamentally uh every hospitality company has to be hybrid principal and rule based and not only hospitality actually it should be every industry in the world and second is uh what we have to do is to bring in the basics back we have been talking about privacy and things like that when you bring those basics of luxury back simplicity those kind of things back simplicity means you you can have everything you want to put in a hotel room to look at better but simplicity has to be back the the respect for the culture has to be more evident not in the decor and design but in the people interesting interesting so so uh, if you were like giving an advice to uh, to leaders out there the the ones to build a better hospitality industry what what should they go and i'm going to ask them six people who they respect based on experience in the organization and six people who they respect based on expertise so that makes 12 people and out of 12 people who they respect six people out of the 12 people who have both experience and expertise and there will be one six they will not be able to answer and that's where the gap lies and that's the gap they need to close that interaction gap yeah because again it will become very individual because every organization headquarters in a different place their properties are in a different place there's a lot of cultural thing that is happening so 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 that is how it will happen second thing how do we hire people the hr has to be changed in hospitality third thing introduction of happiness in every industry not only hospitality everything not for anything else not to make people happy not to make customer happy but to increase your top line and bottom line a customer always like to go to the place where the employees are happy employees always like to have the customers who are happy and the owners wants to work and run the business and do more expansion where customers and employees are happy so so at the end of the day the thing is a happiness now how do you introduce happiness as a tool to increase the revenue is something again going back to the basics yeah and i guess also then your job is to as a leader to understand how do i actually make you know how do i help other on their happiness journey i guess there's there's an element of how do i create that framework as a leader as well happiness is not that we may have to make people happy happiness is not meditation uh, but these are all good tools meditation is good yoga is good uh, wellness is good but then none of these are happiness sometimes crying is also a form of happiness pain is also a form of happiness you know why because that is a realization happiness is a realization of 
the world we live in. Yeah, because nothing great comes without friction and pain. I, I wanted to go back to you mentioned you know the way we we hire and do HR should change. Can you elaborate a bit on that? What what, what is flawed with the the existing ways? Normally, I've been told, and you know that never ask the person who's interviewing you. But we are friends, I take that liberty, right? <laughs> okay. So suddenly, now there's a great resignation, quite quitting, and you are looking for bellboys in a hotel, and you're not able to find the bellboys in a hotel, and you are the general manager of a hotel, Michael. Where would you go and look for a bellboy? Well, in 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 the in the, in the traditional world, you would uh, you know you would put a job up, or you would ask your team if they know anyone we we could could hire. So you will probably miss some potential you haven't thought about in a way. Um, but I think I would personally, if I couldn't find it by asking my team, I'll probably try to walk out in my local community and see what's going on and see if there's an answer out there. I'll go to the railway station and hire the porters because that is one place they all rush to carry the bags. Mm. So that is how you hire the people. Now, we have a lot of problems in HR. Where do you go if you want to create a hybrid of principle and a rule-based organization? What should be one qualification of your director of HR if you are a general manager of a hotel? I think it should be definitely understanding how you actually create leaders and and i think the rules is not so much much important it's not about writing the rule book anymore exactly how do you actually get everybody to take leadership and ownership the hr is the most important department i'll i'll hire a person who has a legal background because they are less emotive okay so so these are the alternatives that will come when we are hiring people Customer relations, uh, that is a part of my book. I'll go to the nurses because they always care about people. They feel about people. This is something you cannot train. It is there. So, 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 so this is how it will happen. And when you start looking at these alternatives, you see that your organization is already becoming a happy place and more proactive. And that's also why, coming back to what you said before, then you can attract people to these jobs that you couldn't attract before because you look at it in a different way you don't look at the functional skills you look at a much more hybrid way of looking at the different roles especially in senior jobs yeah because you you, you do you see right now most of these people every organization said let's do the vision let's do the mission that's passe gone now look at i was reading this book and a very interesting book Okay, but it's not my book. Okay, <laughs> I would like to promote my book, and uh, it asks a question. Now I'm asking you this question again, putting you in a spot. Which is the most expensive real estate in the world? In which country? In which country is the most expensive real estate? Yeah, that's a really good question. Okay, so so I'll help you here. So people will say New York, somebody will say London, somebody will say Singapore, somebody will say Paris, somebody will say Hong Kong. You know where it is? Graveyard. I would say, great. Oh yeah, yeah. You know that is where we all die with all that intellectual capital in us, which we have not used. And why we have not used? Because our organizations are rule based. You turn left, you'll be fired. You turn right, you'll be fired. So only senior managements are given those privileges. 
it's really really interesting but that's also coming back to i don't know if the book you've been been reading it reminds me of a book called the great uh, game of business by jack stack where he talks about you know creating ownership mindship by employees actually utilize all that potential is in the organization and his mission is to make everybody own their own home that's principle what he wants to do for his staff and i think it's a brilliant brilliant you know vision but also there's tools in there how you can build an organization that can do exactly what you're talking about yeah, i'll be the first person on your podcast who's talking about other people's book rather than mine you know why because i want people to read books maybe not mine but they read people's book and that is where the great learning comes what what is um coming back a bit to you day parker in the end you know how do you because like it, 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 you you are at the same you know great energy level as i talked with you in 2020 how do you keep on every day being in the impact zone to go and do the things you need to do how do you what do you do to to deal with the pain like you discipline and then more pain we both smile we're both doing what we're doing and we have many people like us but the point is nothing in the world can stop us from achieving the best for our world because we all have the same thing more than us we care about the world and that makes the world a better place and to create a better world is what keeps us moving you are you're very spot on that's uh, exactly i'm doing the thing i feel that i need to do and i'm like living my purpose if i should use a very used fussy word but exactly true and the only way you can live your purpose is by being extremely disciplined with most things in everyday life and except the one percent there's no big wins that's small incremental improvement i love that um is there if there was there could be i think you already asked a couple of good questions to me but was there one question you wished i've asked you and what would that question be and what would you have answered your your question would be when do i see you for the next episode and <laughs> <laughs> And I'm going to say in year 2025, beginning, when my second book about happiness is coming out. Great, because my question back to you, Vinan, is there a second book coming and what would it be about? We got that answered as well. That's absolutely great. I love that. Uh, can people find a place to connect with you if they want to ask a question? And where, where do they find the book if they want to, to, to have a look into that, which I will recommend highly to do? Yeah, so, so they should. Uh, write to me at deepak at deepakori.com and they can always buy the book from the Harvard bookstores or books and books in Miami or uh, at the Hudson or at Barnes and Nobles and Amazon. Great, great. Deepak, uh, thank you so much for, for coming back and uh, thank you for, for this incredible conversation which we where we touched on a lot on philosophy as you promised in the beginning. Sending you and the team uh, power and energy for, for the time ahead. Thank you, Michael. Have a great day. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate that you're listening in. So if you enjoyed today's conversation, please share with others, rate or give a review or subscribe to one of our channels, which all can be done via the website hospitalitymavericks.com. I believe that reading the right books is the key to become a better leader. So I've helped you with a curated list of some of the best books to improve yourself, others, and the organization. Find them on hospitalitymavericks.com. 
A big thank you to BizSimply for supporting us, bringing great insights, strategies, and tools to help leaders to become better every day. Check them out at bizsimply.com or on their socials at bizsimply or bizsimplyhq. You can also email them directly at podcast at bizsimply.com. Thank you to Fina Charlson, who is the show producer from the Podcast Collective. If you have any ideas and feedback for the show or other thoughts, reach out to me via LinkedIn or via my email, michael at hospitalitymavericks.com. I'm Michael Tinkser, and you've been listening to the Hospitality Maverick podcast show. Be Maverick! <laughs>